Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LBJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, is LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. It is, the, I guess, the first official day of fall. Is that right? I'll be darned. It is. <laughs> It is the season, as they say, or something like that. And it's yeah, it is. in it's, Buffalo. Uh, yeah, it is here. Believe it or not, in, in uh, northwest Florida, it's a, it's a little little nippier this morning than it has been uh, for several months. In fact, actually, the last few days, we've started getting a little bit of a cool uh, breeze, if you, uh, if you will, blowing down from the northwest. Um, but I'm not complaining. It's it's kind of nice to uh, to have that cooler weather. All right, we've got a great show for you this morning, everybody. Uh, we're going to be joined a little bit later on by Tina Toombs, uh, founder and president of Tina Toombs Golf. Um, she'll be joining us on the second half, and we're going to start things off here in just a moment or two. Uh, another uh, round, if you will, or discussion in the no BS zone. And we're going today we're going to talk about et- the uh, etiquette do's and don'ts, if you will, um, to help, especially some of you new golfers, and I'll explain a little bit more in just a moment. But I want to remind everybody that the Women of Golf is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports Network is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And of course, Golf Tips, the game's most in depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today. Go to golftipsmag.com. All right, Cindy, I thought, you know, in, in lieu of all that's going on right now, and I'm sure you've seen uh, an uptick in, in your lessons, as, as everybody else has, uh, with a lot of new golfers this year, and I'm not, not your typical folks that, uh, you know, that, hey, you know, I've been wanting to take up golf and kind of thinking about it and didn't do it last year, so I'm going to do it this year. Uh, just because of everything going on with the pandemic, there's a lot of folks out there who really don't know a lot about the game and wanted to find something to do with all of the shutdowns and closures and this, that, and the other, and so they've come to the game. But one of the problems that they obviously endure is not knowing some of the proper etiquette that they might be faced with uh, at the golf course. So I thought we would talk about a few of them. Uh, some do's and some don'ts, and uh, see if we can help some of them have a little bit better understanding. I know you wrote a book uh, that, that sort of outlines many of these things as well, uh, but we're going to just touch on a few this morning in our discussion, um, and then we'll talk to Tina a little bit later on. So one of the first things, I think, is obviously you want to respect the rules uh, of the golf course you are playing. Uh, obviously, there are general rules that are put out by the USDA, uh, and I would suggest if you don't have one, 
that you get your copy of a rule book so you have a general understanding. Obviously, we don't expect you to memorize everything, but have a general understanding. Uh, but every golf course, Cindy, uh, does have their own local rules as well as some general rules. And some of the general rules is obviously a dress code. Uh, they do have a dress code. They're a little bit more lax today than what they have been typically. Uh, but nevertheless, they do have a, a dress code. Um, but some of them have local rules. Um, you have a course up. I know that you, I'm sure, probably play uh, uh, when you have a chance, when you're not teaching and doing other things. Um, are there some local rules that they have that maybe you could share with us? Ah, I can tell you that there's a dress code rule at Wingfoot because I played there way back when in a pro-am, and I came over there with shorts on, and they said, uh, you can't play today with shorts on. You have to wear a skirt or pants. So I went shopping in the pro shop which was, um, you know, that had never happened to me because, again, I would normally respect every rule that I knew existed. Um, but local rules around here, um, Craigburn uh, is a really nice club that has this high, high heather. You are not allowed to drive your cart in the heather because they hmm. don't want the heather to get all mowed down and mushed. Right. So, yeah, there are definitely local rules at each club you go to. And they're typically printed on the back of the scorecard. So when you get there, let's say you're playing in a corporate outing and you've never really done that and you're going to a new course, you want to make sure that when you get there, you ask the pro if there's some specific local rules that, that you need to be aware of. And then when you uh, get out to the cart, the scorecard's probably attached to the cart steering wheel. What I would do is pull that scorecard off and see if there happens to be some local rules printed there. Yeah, always a good idea. And um, if you're ever unsure of anything, I always recommend, too, um, when you first arrive at the golf course is, um, and you're, you're letting the folks know that you've arrived and, and what your tee time is, that you ask them in the pro shop as well. They'll be more than happy if there's any specific things that you need to know. Sometimes uh, if we've had some bad weather, uh, maybe a lot of soggy, you know, rain and, and the course is a little soggy. Uh, sometimes they will have a, a, a pick and clean, if you will, or, uh, and give you an opportunity to do something. Now, obviously, if you're not playing in a, in a tournament uh, that requires you to, to be a little stricter with the rules, uh, you can kind of get away, depending on the foursome you're playing with, with a little bit more. But some of them also have two, uh, Cindy, depending where you play, uh, sometimes if you have uh, adjoining fairways, uh, in order to keep up pace of play, they may have, if you hit it into certain area, losing fairway, uh, that you can actually move it over back into your own fairway. And a lot of courses, especially uh, some of your small, now your, your bigger courses, that may not, uh, but some of your small courses have done that just to keep up the pace of play. Um, so it's always a good idea, as you mentioned, Cindy, to check the back of the scorecard, see if there's any uh, you know, local rules that, that may apply, uh, and failing that, Definitely uh, inquire about it when you go into the pro shop. Uh, another thing, and, and a great point about the carts as well, and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Um, another one too, Cindy, is to be aware of your fellow golfers on the golf course. Uh, we've all heard the term four, uh, and it's not F-O-U-R, it's F-O-R-E. Uh, you'll hear this quite a, a bit, uh, hopefully not too much, um, where you will hear somebody yell out four. And a lot of folks uh, may not understand, especially if they've never played, 
what that is for. Uh, no pun intended. So I'm going to tell you what the the actual uh, how it sort of came about. And four was originally a Scots, of course, uh, being the birthplace of, of golf, uh, was their uh, interjection, and it's used to warn anyone standing or moving uh, in the flight of the of the golf ball. And these caddies, uh, of course, I'm talking about the caddies uh, in Scotland at the time, uh, and this is way, way, way back. Uh, they were often warned about oncoming golf balls by shouting actually the term four caddy. Uh, and over time, of course, it was eventually just shortened to four. So it's, it's sort of a, a, a mechanism, if you will, to let your fellow golfers know that if there's a stray or errant tee shot or, or shot in general, uh, it gives them a heads up to say, hey, heads up, see where, where, you know, what, what's going on and you know, get out of the way or duck or whatever, get behind your golf cart if you have to. Uh, so that's one thing that they do. Um, and, and there's some other things I think about being uh, courteous as well. Uh, on the on the golf course and and Cindy another one too is I think we always want to leave the golf course in the same condition uh, that you found it if not better Uh, and that can be on the green uh, even out in the fairway and of course the bunker so maybe you can just touch on some things that we need to be mindful of if we want to make sure that uh, because as you know and I think you'll understand where I'm going here uh, sometimes things get damaged in in the pace of play and uh, we need to do some things uh, in the areas that I just mentioned. So maybe you can mention a couple of things there. Yeah, when you get onto the green, if your ball hits the green on the fly, then your ball will make a ball mark, and you need to be sure that you either use a tee or a divot repair tool that you would carry in your pocket, and you fix the ball mark. The other thing you want to do is make sure you replace your divots and in Florida, if you're playing in the south, the grass is different, and on your golf cart, there will be a plastic container of sand, and it'll be mm-hmm. hanging by the where your back is of your seat, and over on the left or the right of you, depending on whether you're the driver or the passenger, and you might wonder, what is this thing? And that's what you fill the divots with, the sand, and then when you're in the sand trap, you can't rake the bunker as you walk in you can't test the sand but you might take the rake with you and just drop it make sure you don't bring your putter in the bunker with you and put it down on the sand uh for two reasons number one you can't touch the sand with your club and number two you're going to have sand all (laughs) over the grip and then that's going to feel terrible when you grab it so leave your extra clubs outside of the bunker. You can bring the rake in, but you mm-hmm. can't rake the sand as you're walking through. And then when you're done, make sure you rake the sand. Now, I caddied on the PGA Tour for my husband, and the caddies had to give me how to rake a bunker correctly lesson. And make sure that you're not, like, <laughs> gouging the sand with the spikes on the rake. You have to do it very gently. And this is kind of a karma thing. You know, the the more you treat the golf course the right way, the better the golf course will treat you. So make sure you take care right. of the course. Yeah, and, and it's always a good idea. To, um, you know, one of the worst things that I've seen is people neglecting to, to rake the, the bunkers um, after they've been in. And again, you know, sometimes we give a pass to, to new players that aren't familiar with, and that's where it's always good if you're a, a more uh, advanced player, if you've been playing for a while and you've got some 
uh, people that maybe have never played before with you, uh, you know, have joined your, your group. Maybe you come in as a twosome and another twosome come in and they're kind of new to golf. It's a good idea to help them along in situations like that. If they find themselves in the bunker, which I can pretty much guarantee you some point uh, in their 18 holes they're going to. Uh, it's a good idea to help them. And you know what? What I often have, have done sometimes, Cindy, is I'll actually go in and rake it for them uh, maybe once or twice just to give them an idea of, of how to do it correctly so that when they get faced with that again, they're not kind of standing around and, and uh, you know, a little befuddled with, with what needs to happen. So um, great points. Make sure you replace your, your divots if you're out in the fairway. Uh, as Cindy said, uh, especially here in the south, you'll see the uh, – uh, clear plastic uh, containers on the side of your golf cart uh, with a little scoop in there, and you just take a little bit, uh, whatever is needed, and just sort of fill in those those divots, and that actually helps the grass uh, grow back in and fill into those divots. So um, some great points there. Uh, pace of play is another uh, biggie, if you will. Um, you know, we all want to pretend we're, we're, we're playing at Augusta National or the U.S. Open or what have you, uh, but we've got... Um, you know, we, we've got other people out on the golf course as well. And typically, on average, and I think these numbers are a little off, but because uh, I don't know anybody that plays in this amount of time, but nine holes should typically take between two and two and a half hours to play if you're just playing nine holes and four to four and a half hours. And to be honest, Cindy, um, this day and age, uh, you know, a lot of times it's five hours plus. Um, I've even seen some people taking six hours to go around the golf course, which is just not – um, you know, not a good thing. So uh, this is where you need to be ready to hit uh, when it's your turn. Maybe you can touch on that a little bit too. So here's, here's the way it works. When you're out playing and you're, this is tour rules, okay? When you walk up to a tee box, you should see the group in front of you they should be walking onto the green. And if they are walking onto the green or just finished their second shot, your group is deemed to be in position. And then when you hit, you know, they're going to get off the green and then you can hit your second shot. Now, if no one is in front of you when you tee off, you need to ask the starter what time was the last tee time before me or us, and then you'll know what to expect. Like if it was a half an hour ahead of you, then you're not really sure. You probably won't catch the group in front of you unless you're really fast. But if Mm -hmm. you are not, if there was a group right in front of you, and after two or three holes you don't see that group, and there's a group behind you waiting, you are now out of position, and you need to hurry up and or pick up your ball and you know, go to the next shot without even hitting it because you have to get back into position. Now, if you're having lots of trouble and there's only one group behind you, you can let that group go through. But if the whole golf course is packed and you're the ones holding up the whole golf course, uh, someone's going to come out and start talking to you and tell you to either move it or get out of here. So you have 40 (laughs) seconds to hit the ball from when it's your turn And from when it's your turn, it's when the last person hits right before you. So I suggest that you uh, be aware of how long it takes you to hit a shot. And I'm going to add something, which I'm sure is down the list. Watch where your ball goes. 
Watch the ball until it stops so that you can find your ball because one of the biggest reasons groups get out of position is because they can't find their golf ball and they're spending most of Mm -hmm. their time searching. So make sure your group is in position. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point, and, and you're exactly right. That is uh, here on the list. Uh, the other thing too is um, you need to be quiet while someone is either preparing to hit or actually hitting their shot. Don't be opening your glove. Uh, obviously, you know it has Velcro there, and it it makes a loud noise. Um, or uh, start pulling clubs from your bag, uh, or talking while others are hitting. That that doesn't just go for while you're on the green. That's anywhere else. Uh, and even if you're you're uh, you know, you're a little further up, maybe one of your uh, uh, playing partners is on the other side of the fairway and you think, well, they're not going to hear me. You'd be surprised uh, how, how far sound travels uh, on a golf course. Cause it's generally pretty quiet out there unless it's really windy. It's just, it's just common courtesy. So, you know, be considerate. Um, don't be doing it. And particularly don't do it, you know, if they're ready to hit their shot and they're, you know, halfway through the backswing and all of a sudden you start clanking your golf clubs or you're ripping off your glove or, or whatever the case is, um, you know, it's just not uh, proper etiquette, uh, and it's certainly not going to be appreciated. And especially if you're pe- playing with people that you don't know, uh, unfortunately, this day and age, you don't know how they're going to react. They're not going to be very happy about it, and you get into a very uncomfortable, especially if you're on the first couple of holes and you got 15, 16 more holes to play, and now you've ticked off one of your playing partners because you've been inconsiderate. So if you're not sure what to do, again, ask them. Ask them at the pro shop to understand what is the proper etiquette out on golf course. Um, and if, obviously, if you're taking lessons, uh, either with a teacher professional or coach, it's always a good time uh, to really, very early on in your instruction, to talk about things like this so that you do have a general understanding. And most of them will walk you through, not everything, but they'll walk you through some of the more common ones that you know, we're, we're talking here. Uh, the other thing, Cindy, is uh, playing in the order um, in your group. There's, um, and you can explain a little bit maybe more about this. Uh, there's uh, really two options. You can play uh, by honors uh, or what's often referred to as ready golf. Maybe you can explain on those. So when you <clears throat> tee off on the first hole, if you're playing in a tournament, there will be a tee sheet. And the order in which people tee off are by the way they're listed on the tee sheet or the starting time. So if you're playing just for fun, you could say, you know, you want to play ready golf or you want to play by honors. And honors means you play by the rules. And the person that has the lowest score on the hole before tees off first. And then second lowest, third lowest, fourth lowest. So it can be confusing because if um, you're player number one, two, three, and four, and four makes a, a birdie, then four goes first, then one, two, three. And then if mm-hmm. three makes a par and everybody else makes bogey, then four goes first, then three, then one, two. So it's a little confusing. Nowadays, uh, if you're not playing in a tournament, most people play ready golf, which means hit the ball when you're ready. And and right. sometimes, because we do an awful lot of playing lessons with new players, you should be aware of your surroundings. Sometimes you walk in front of people and you have no idea someone's back behind you that hasn't hit yet. <clears throat> so kind of look around and be aware of your surroundings and then say, you know, do you want me to go or you want to go? Because only one person should be hitting at a time, so it's not total chaos. Um, so I would just say, hey, do you want me to go? 
or do you want to go? Right. Always, uh, you know, it's always good to have that established, have that discussion before you start playing um, how you're going to play. If you're going to play by the honor system or if you're going to play ready golf. And again, as you pointed out, Cindy, really a lot of people this day and age, uh, with the exception of tournament play, uh, are playing ready golf. And it makes a lot of sense. It helps keep the pace of play up. Um, the other one that kind of goes into what you were talking about with the ball is to make sure you are playing the correct ball. As you mentioned, a lot of times uh, somebody hits uh, an errant tee shot or an errant shot, you know, and it goes into uh, some deep, gnarly rough, and you get up there and you're uh, getting ready to hit your next shot. You want to double check to make sure that you're playing the correct ball. And the best way to do that is before your round starts is to mark your ball. Some people will take a marker and maybe put a couple of dots. Maybe they'll put uh, some other uh, a line on it or, uh, or somewhat. And, you know, uh, if you're all playing a different ball, then you can kind of, you know, get away with it. But, you know, obviously certain manufacturers are a little more common. For instance, Titleist, uh, a lot of people may be playing their Pro V1 or Pro V1X. And, um, you know, if you've got three people in your group that are playing the same ball, um, you know, it, it might be a little difficult to, to differentiate that. The other thing, too, is, Cindy, that I always recommend, especially with I'm, uh, you know, playing with a, a group of people I'm not familiar with, is one of the biggest things I see, and this is kind of a, and this sort of goes into the don't category, in my opinion. Uh, we're going to move on to the don't here now. And that is, if you're playing in a group and somebody is teeing off, it's always obviously important for the person hitting the shot to know where their ball goes. And it's okay for maybe their cart partner, if you're driving a cart, to help um, watch what's going on, uh, and maybe even one other to kind of get an idea. But all four of you don't need to. I always recommend at least one person in the group kind of be looking around, uh, especially if there are other players nearby, to make sure that they're not hitting into you or um, you know that there are other things that may be going on simply because, in other words, you need to be conscious. You don't need four people looking to see where the ball goes. Um, three are fine. Two are actually fine, but three are okay. But one should be sort of observing what else is going on in the area so that you're not running into a situation where suddenly you hear four and thunk, you get hit in the back of the head with a golf ball. So I always try to you know, delegate one person as we're going along to do that. Um, and uh, the other thing, too, as well, is you don't need all four people looking for that golf ball. The, the rules of golf allow a certain period of time to look for the golf ball. That's what you have. I recommend short. If you can't find it within the first couple of minutes, you know what? So be it. Play your shot. Um, how you do that, again, depending on if you're in tournament or not, there are certain rules you have to do. Um, but don't tie things up. You don't need to. You know, golf ball is a golf ball. You can buy some more. And I know they're expensive. That's why I always recommend for uh, golfers that are not very experienced, to play uh, some of the cheaper brands of golf balls. It doesn't hurt the pocketbook uh, quite as much. Um, another one, Cindy, is, um, and this now goes into the, the don't category as well, is walking across the line of another player's putt on the green. You want to touch on that one? I'm sure that's you've seen that many times playing with some amateurs. I have. I, You know what I believe <laughs> it is? I... Again, because we do so many playing sessions with new beginners, and I'm going to sneeze. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I believe the hardest thing for a new player is to be aware. 
And and sometimes I, I'm again they're walking aimlessly, lost in space, don't know where they're going, why they would go there, what they should do, which is why we do these playing sessions with people because they don't know mm-hmm. what to do, but they just walk around on the green and just anywhere and don't realize they shouldn't be walking in someone's line. So again, you got to give them a free pass for at least a couple rounds of golf because there's so many things to know. And it's hard, yeah. but yeah, yeah, when you're out playing with better players, you should just uh, make sure you're aware of where their line is and you don't want to step in their line. Watch what everyone else is doing, especially if they're more seasoned yeah. and have played longer. One of the other things that I find is that bring your clubs up to the green with you. Like if you have to chip on, bring your putter with you, mm-hmm. with your pitching wedge or your sand wedge, and then Take them with you. Don't leave them on the side of the green, on the other end of the side of the green, because now you've got to walk backwards to get to the next hole. So always look to where you're going next. Be prepared. And, and when it's um, – we've got a bunch of kids that we're teaching, and they, they stay like 30 yards away from someone else. It's like, girls, you can come up here. Come on up here and, and <laughs> hang out because you've got to be aware of who's up next rather than everybody looking right. at each other like, oh, who's going now? So it, mm-hmm. it's just so much to learn, which is great, yeah. but, you know, we've got to give them a little bit of a free pass. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, that's where your more seasoned players can help out. Um, and whenever in doubt, you know, you talk to somebody in the pro shop and they can give you a few tips as well. And if you're taking lessons, that should be one of the first things um, you know, one of the early conversations that you have with your uh, your coach or your teacher professional is about some of the etiquette rules uh, while you're out in the golf course. Uh, just a couple of other quick ones I want to read off, and then uh, we'll do another one that I think we, we need to uh, talk about. And you mentioned earlier, Cindy, about, you know, holding up other players. If somebody's playing right behind you and there's nobody in front of you, offer to let them play through, especially if you're a slower group. Um, loft, and I don't know, sometimes it happens uh, more often than not, but you might be playing in a foursome. You've got a couple of new people in your group, so you're playing a little bit slower. Suddenly you've got, uh, you know, Joe and, and, and Fast Eddie behind you, and they, you know, are twosome. They want to play through, and, uh, you know, you're hearing their ball hit behind you in the fairway very often. Uh, that's usually an indication it's not appropriate, so they shouldn't be doing that, but that's their way of saying, hey, come on, we're, we're, we're playing at a quick pace here. We want to play through you should always let them play through. Um, you're not going to outpace them uh, as a foursome, and if, especially if they're only a twosome. Even if they're a foursome and they're playing at a faster pace, it's just common courtesy and proper etiquette to let them play through. Another quick one as well, uh, Cindy, is uh, throwing clubs. And this is one that you can maybe talk about, not so much the throwing clubs, but alternatives. Everyone hits a bad shot. We get it. Um, but throwing your clubs not only makes you look bad, but obviously can be dangerous and even expensive if you happen to break a shaft or something like that. What are some alternatives? We all have a bad shot. We get, you know, our, our emotions get ramped up, Cindy. What's another way to sort of expel that negative energy, get it out so we can move on? Uh, well, don't throw clubs. I'm very good at swearing. <laughs> uh, I, I might go, Ugh! You know, you've got to let it out. Yeah. I tell my students, you've got yeah. three seconds to, to react, yeah. and then you have to respond, and then you have to recover. So you can react, and then you have to say, okay, the ball went dead right. 
Why did the ball do that? You know, again, I I love people that come in for a lesson and get mad, you know, and they have no idea that they're the ones that are controlling the club that made the face do that, that made the ball go where it went. So it's like, okay, we have to do this problem-solving technique of let's, let's start at the end and work our way back to find out what just happened to make that happen. So um, that's why another reason I love the game of golf because it's all about accountability and responsibility. But you've got three to five seconds to react, and then you have to respond and recover. Yep. And, you know, even the best of the best have their moments, especially in, in the heat of a tournament, and, you know, a bad shot happens that's exactly what they do. They get it out within the first few seconds and then they, they regroup and they say, okay, on to the next shot because you can't change what's happened and you can't, you can't change what's going to happen. You can only deal with the now. So get that, you know, get that out there. Don't be whipping your clubs around. I know it's different. Don't thump them down into the ground, um, you know, because you're going to end up repairing something else um, or breaking the shaft on, on your club. Uh, so, so that's something there to do. Uh, two other quick ones I just want to mention here, and then we, we've got to go because uh, uh, Tina's ready. So, uh, but showing up late is, is a pet peeve for me. I'm always an, an early person when it comes to, to whatever it is I do. Um, I, I just think, number one, it's disrespectful to, to your group. It's also disrespectful to the golf course. Uh, if you've got a 1 o'clock tee time, I always recommend I, – I like to show up a little earlier than this, but I always recommend – uh, 20 to 30 minutes before your tea time minimum um, for two reasons. One, you need to check in. You need to get your bag uh, ready. If it's, if it's uh, a course that allows you to drop off and they put it on the cart for you, that's fine. Um, but get yourself ready. I think you should do more than that because I think it's important that you get out there and hit a few warm-up shots before you get out there, make some putts uh, on the practice green to, to get a feel and sense of the speed of the green. Um, so showing up late, uh, you know, uh, I always joke because I know anybody out there listening that you know drives one is. I always equate to the to the Porsche driver because they come whipping in the in the in the uh, the golf course at 80 miles an hour. They throw their clubs to the bag boy and say, "Okay, I'm ready. I got a tee time in two minutes," and you know everybody's now got to scramble to meet this person, and uh, you know it's just not appropriate. You just you just have to be considerate of not only the golf course, but also the people you're playing with. And the other one is, um, speaking of driving, is driving the golf cart wildly. Uh, you know, most courses, going back to some of the local rules, some might have a 90-degree rule depending on the circumstances. Um, stay off the tee boxes. Stay off the greens. There are certain areas a lot of times will actually be roped off, especially around the greens. They don't want carts up there because they'll do damage. Um, so, again, make sure you understand what the rules are for that. And don't be zigzagging all across the, uh, uh, the fairways when you're going up. I always like to, if I know my ball is on the left side, uh, I'll either follow the cart path as far as I can. If it doesn't have a cart path uh, that goes all the way along, then what I will do is I will stay as close to the left side of the fairway as I can so that I'm not uh, tracking or, or marking things up, conversely, if I'm on the right-hand side. So those are just some. There's others in there that I know we could throw into, but uh, we're out of time. But uh, again, folks, some of the do's and don'ts of proper etiquette when you're on the golf course. Talk to the people in the pro shop uh, if you're not working with a teacher professional or talk to your pro and say, let's talk about some of the things, the do's and the don'ts, especially if you're an early uh, or new, uh, newbie, if you will, to, uh, to the golf game. So uh, those are just some things. We hope they help, and uh, we're going to move on. Um, Cindy, our, our 
guest joining us this morning has been on, of course, a few times in the past, and uh, we're happy to have her back. Of course, I'm talking about Tina Toombs, and she is the president of the Tina Toombs Golf, uh, and uh, she currently resides in Arizona, but is originally born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, uh, but raised uh, much of her time in Bedford, New Hampshire. Uh, she started playing at uh, around the age of 14 and competed nationally and internationally for over four, uh, 35 years. Excuse me. Uh, graduated from ASU with a BS in uh, physical education and a minor in anatomy and uh, physiology. Uh, she also competed for the ASU Sun Devils golf team and was a two-time NCAA Collegiate All-American. So, Cindy, let's excuse me. Welcome back, our special guest, Tina Toombs. Good morning. Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? We're doing great, boy. You, you got up early for us. I know. Well, <laughs> you all are special. Thank you for having me on. We're thrilled you know, to have you here. Thank you. How are you, Miss Cindy? I'm good, honey. How are you? I'm great, thanks. I'm great. I'm, I'm good. Great. Are things ramping up for you? Yeah, they are. They've been, uh, well, you know, this summer's been a tough summer, and you know, with everything, but uh, we've stayed pretty busy, but they're starting to ramp up. I'm putting all my programs together because after uh, overseeding, our overseeding schedule is uh, October 5th through the 26th, so uh, our range is closed for those three weeks, and then after that, everything will ramp right up, so yeah. It's kind of nice exciting. to have downtime, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we Let get me ask you, here. what do you do for fun? Me? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, that's what Larry <laughs> asked me. <laughs> My husband asked me that. He says, do you know you've not had a day off all summer? I said, well, I don't know. Um, sometimes, I mean, normally uh, this year was different, of course, but, um, you know, I, we like to hike and we take um, a little ski in the winter a bit. And... Um, We'll do some traveling in the summer. So we do we do a lot of things for fun, actually. I'm just, uh, I guess I, uh, I don't know. We do a lot of things for fun. I'm just an intense kind of hard worker person, I guess. I don't know. I'm always working. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. But we have fun. I mean, we have a place up in uh, Pine Top, which is in the White Mountains in Arizona, so... I co- we come up here. We have a home up here in the summer. So Larry spends the summer up here, and I go back and forth um, from here to Phoenix in the summer. And so how I, far I, is that? It's a, it's about a three-hour drive. So I, I come well, back. Well, that's kind of nice. Yeah, so it's about uh, 25 degrees cooler up here. It's, we're almost we're at 7,500 feet up here. Holy cow. Yeah, it's a big difference. All right, Ted, we're done. You can talk now. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I, I could sit. Uh, listen, I know this might sound like a uh, an odd thing coming for me, but I could sit here and listen to the two of you just talk for for the next twenty minutes. So you're welcome to have at it if you'd like. And I'll just I'll just sit here and I'll close the program. In about twenty five minutes, I'll close up the program and and move on. I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other beautiful thing about well, playing golf up here is the ball goes a lot further. <laughs> oh, right. I'm coming over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's that's you one of the. Don't feel like you're your of, age when you're up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it 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 definitely helps out, no doubt. So Tina, let me ask you yeah. um, 
a couple of things. So, um, and I hadn't mentioned it yet. I'm gonna, that's why I wanted to mention my in my uh, when I posed my question. But uh, you qualified for the LPGA Tour in '87 and won in 1990 right. at the LPGA Jamie Farr Classic, and you were runner-up at the '93 Sarah Lee Classic. So, you obviously have been a tour player. You know what it's like to grind it out there. What's your takeaway from the tour as far as your play that now helps benefit your students? Um, wow. You know, I think that's a question I always ask myself because people, because um, when I'm teaching, I think the biggest thing is that I understand um, when you're out there playing how difficult it really is to manage your emotions and manage the course management, you know, on course management stuff and how to think, uh, where to hit your shots and, and different shots that I have. Cause of course, when you play, you have so many different shots. Um, it's not just one club around the green. I was playing the other day with a lady and, um, you know, I was using an eight iron, a nine iron, a sandwich, a pitching wedge, a hybrid. I was using all these shots around the green. She goes, why do you use so many shots? I said, well, because it's variability, right? And so the more shots you have in your bag, the more opportunities you have to get up and down and shoot lower scores. So I think that is a big part of being a player and then moving on into a teacher is being able to um, show, you know, to, to teach them how to adapt and use different shots and not just have, um, you know, you've got, to get, you've got a golf bag of tools. And so I try mm-hmm. and, um, you know, teach them that it's not just a golf bag of golf clubs, but it's actually tools that you can use them for a bunch of different things in a bunch of different situations. Um, and that's how I look at my golf bag is it's a toolbox. Um, and that's how it helped me as a player is I grew up playing, learning how to hit golf shots, not just how to make a golf swing. So I teach how to play and how to hit golf shots. And I think that's where you th- um, it helps me the most. Do you think that that's lost a little bit in today's game because a lot of the equipment now doesn't allow you to work the ball as easily as it did, say, 20, 30 years ago? Um, do you think that art – because I consider it kind of an art because, I mean, you know, when you watch some of the, the earlier players like the Nancy Lopez and, and uh, you know, on the men's tour, you know, like Ali Trevino, Chichi Rodriguez especially, they were able to really work the ball with the equipment they had. If they needed to – you know, call upon this shot or that shot, they could very easily. Now today's equipment is just let's try to hit it as straight as possible and forget about that. And I realize from an amateur standpoint, we don't want them trying to get too funky, as it were, on the golf course. But do you think that that's a little bit missing in the game now? Yeah, I really do. I mean, um, even sometimes I'm sitting here trying to hit a draw or a fade or something. I can do it with my driver a lot, and I can do it with the hybrids, but my irons, I have a really difficult time you know, I'll make the swing that I know will create a fade or will cre- create a, a draw or a hook even. I'll want to hook it, and it doesn't come off the way I want it to. And I'm like, I know I made that swing. And um, so, yeah, I think the equipment, you know, is not allowing us to do that. But I still teach it. Um, I'll do classes mm-hmm. and teach people what the face does because I think they need to understand what the club face does and what the ball does and how the ball gets up in the air. And, you know, they're holding on to the grip, and the grip is just – and the shaft is an extension of the face. So um, the more that they we can teach what that club face is doing and what our hands are doing in relationship to the club and the face, I think it's really important. So, 
even though the golf club might be not as, you know, easy to, you know, they're, they're making golf clubs so we can hit it straighter, but I think it's really important to still teach that feel um, and relationship with the face. Um, so I, I teach it in, in a, I mean, I have classes that I teach this, you know, how to hit a hook, how to hit a fade, how to hit it low, how to hit it high, how to hit it, all those different shots. And some of them look at me, I can't do that. I say, it's okay to just, let's try. And then, you know, a week later they come back and they're like, that was so exciting. I tried it on the course and it worked. So like, that's what it's all about. Right. You know, it's just exploring and, and seeing what you can learn. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, yeah, I think it's important because, you know, you're, you're exactly right. You know, you're going to, you're not, I think that for a lot of golfers, you know, they equate with what happens on the practice tee or on the driving range as what's going to happen out in the golf course. They got this nice flat, perfect lie and, and, uh, you know, if they get, as long as they get it on the fairway, it's going to be perfect every time. But as we know that the, the course is slope and there's undulations here and there. And I think learning how to execute these different shots can be very beneficial in real course situations. So I think that's a great point that you raise. It's, it's still good, even though it's not as, as easily accessible in today's game as it, as it has been in the past because of the equipment, it's still good to know that information. Um, I just want to ask one more question then, Cindy, I'm going to bounce it back to you. Um, you know, you mentioned about this sort of crazy time we're all going through, and and uh, I know a lot of teachers, uh, including yourself, um, have videos and, and all of these different things. But there's a new breed, if you will, of, of golf instruction coming out now, and that is the online lesson. Uh, we've been forced to do it more so with the pandemic, but um, it's something that's really been growing here, particularly this season. Do you think this is the way of the future for golf instruction? No, I don't. I think, I mean, I think it's going to be part of golf. It's always been part of golf instruction anyway. I haven't given that many online lessons this summer. Um, I've, uh, but I think it's been always available. I think people like mm-hmm. the personal interaction. I'm hoping that they prefer that. Um, I think that uh, doing online lessons or lessons by video and checking things out when you come to you. I think you've got to do both. I think you've got to do the face-to-face and when people are traveling or away, they can send a video and you can do that kind of thing and, uh, you know, and do checkups and, and the lesson videos online as well. But I think there's got to be a, a good mix of both. Um, I, can, I don't think it can just be online because I think when you're online, you're not able to watch really the movement over and over again and give them good feedback and give feel and drills and stuff like that where you can see what the ball's doing and, and things like that. I think you can do it on FaceTime and in different situations. But I don't know. I, I like the personal interaction and the communication um, right there on the driving range. That's the passion that I have. So for me, um, you know, and I'm not a real techie person, so I'm not online all the time. I'm not on Facebook all the time. I really like the – I'm on the lesson tee. I'm just on the lesson tee all the time, and I love it. So um, I hope it doesn't go there. I mean, I guess it could. I mean, there's a lot, the younger generation would, you know, like that. But I think I think it's I think golf is golf, and people are out there playing golf. There's a ton of people playing golf, and people just want, you know, they're they're hungry for it. So I don't I don't think so. I don't know. Right. Good point. Um, Cindy, go ahead. I agree with you. I think you you have to see where the ball goes. And yeah. and you know, 
jerry-rig it and fix it and tweak it and um, the interaction and see how your student reacts and responds. And then it's a communication thing. So absolutely. So let me ask you this. Who do you teach the most? Like what... What's your makeup of your student population? Um, you know, I've, I've taught a good mix of, of all. Like I have like a 97-year-old to a 4-year-old. But I think I'm moving more into uh, more women. I have a, a, a gentleman now that's working with me, and I'm sending him more of the younger men. Um, I, he's, you know, he's 26, 20, he's 27 years old. And very good instructor. And so um, I feel like I have a lot of men as well, but I feel like I really want to build um, and really help women um, play the game, understand the game, and be feel empowered, um, feel like they can go out and play when they're playing by themselves. They, they play and they play the game very confidently when they go out and play with their spouse or their partner. They're, they're not as confident. And I watch that and I feel like that's where I want to go is I want to help them feel more confident, play the game better and feel like they can go out there and play with anybody, no matter who they play with and feel, um, you know, confident that they can make their decisions and, and, and play the game. So I think for me, um, you know, couples golf and uh, women, children, I have tons of kids. I do a ton of junior golf programs. I have an elite program, a beginner program, and an advanced program. So I do tons of, of junior programs, high school programs as well. But So I think that's where I'm headed um, is more uh, there. But I, I guess I do all of it, but I, I want to really start specializing more in women. Awesome. Ted? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's where the growth of the game has been now for the last several years. And I think that we really, as an industry, really need to shift our focus more in in getting not just more women into the game, but more importantly, keeping them in the game. Um, Because as as we all know, uh, you know, we get lots of people every year want to try this game. And right now, particularly, as I mentioned earlier with the pandemic, uh, there's a lot of folks that maybe normally uh, didn't uh, or wouldn't necessarily at this point gravitate to golf, but have kind of been you know, forced in a way because of the pandemic and and not having a lot of other options said, well, you know what, we need to get out. We need to do something. Let's check out the golf course. The real trick is going to be is keeping them interested and making it fun and saying, hey, this is something that we can do, not just during this difficult time, but something that we can maybe make in uh, into a lifelong uh, opportunity. Um, Something else I wanted to ask you, though, uh, Tina, is is not just passing on to our students, but passing on to the next generation of teachers. And I know obviously that's what the LPGA and that's what the PGA of America is there for. But I think as professionals, we have a role as well as passing on what we've learned to future generations of teachers. What do you want to pass on from what you've learned both as a player, obviously we've talked about, but now as a teacher, uh, you might have some, some younger teachers out there that you've worked with and, uh, spoken to in that what what do you want to instill from what you've learned through your career thus far that you want to kind of pass on to the next generation of teachers mm. I think um, 
you know, it's really easy that the young generation, I think they're so, they're very technical um, and they're into, uh, you know, they're, they, I mean, they've grown up with computers and software and stuff. I didn't grow up that way and didn't grow up playing golf with all that. So I, I had to learn how to use all that, all those, you know, all the monitors and stuff. And I use them. I have, you know, I have flight scope and track band and, and the quad and those kind of things, but I don't use them in a way to put people uncomfortable with them. And I think sometimes when we start comparing, you know, uh, you know, Bryson DeChambeau to our amateur golfer, I mean, there's got to be, I think we have to be really careful with that because when we have amateur golfers, they're, they're not out there to be professionals, right? And we don't need to compare numbers to numbers. Right. But I think we have to give them, you know, uh, a, a number that they can be inside of and then let's go from there, find out where you play really well from and keep them there. Um, but I think sometimes they're they're so technical. Um, the younger teachers are very technical and wanting to put, put you know, their students in positions. Um, and I think it's really important to make sure that the state, the, they can combine the feel, the, you know, all the characteristics of playing the game of, of, you know, letting the student just create their own golf swing with some good technique and then letting them play. Um, so when I'm mentoring young, you know, young teachers, I, I, they watch me and they see me do that. And um, hopefully, you know, they can, they can watch me use my, the, the, the technology and then create the shots and do some different things like that. And if I have a student that wants to be a little bit more technical, I back off on the create, but I still have them see shots and, and get out of, you know, the backswing. Because most people pay so much attention on the backswing. I'm like, the backswing is only a result of how you set up, how you grip it, and how you hinge it. And from there, mm-hmm. you've got to just go ahead and go. I mean, there's the results of the top of the backswing are so much from the start of the golf swing. So if we know that and we fix those things, a lot of the stuff at the top fixes itself and then the shift. So, you know, if you fix different things and, and you go to the the, the – culprit of the, of what causes the, the cause of the fact i think that's where I, I try and do with the little with the younger teachers you know because they see what's mm-hmm. wrong with the swing or what the what it looks like instead of the the you know the real the root of the cause so um i'm hoping that that's where it goes and they keep it fun for students because uh you know if we have women out there or men that can't can't make those moves they'll quit yeah, and I think some great points. I think also too, um, one of the things, and I equate this, and forgive the metaphors, but um, I equate the same as as an ostrich burying its head in the sand with what's going on uh, with some of our, our younger teaching professionals, and that is they're burying their head into technology, just as you pointed out. And I'll give you a good example. They're looking at monitors all the time. They're looking at video all the time, and they're not really interacting as well with their students. Um, and I think that's something that um, you know, professionals like yourself and like Cindy and myself and some of the ones that have been around for a little bit longer is we've developed good um, interpersonal skills that allow us to communicate with our students a little bit more. And I think that's something that's been lost a little bit because of the way the younger generation has been brought up. And that's what I fear is that it, it just as you point out, it's going to come down to the numbers um, and, and the stats and this sort of thing. 
and there's not going to be that good interpersonal communication. So it's just, you know, when Bob and Sally come to take a golf lesson, it's okay, well, let's hook you up to the monitor and let's do this and do that. And I know those things are important and they do, they're very helpful tools. But Cindy, and I think you would agree with this as well, as I think we have to have that communication between the teacher and the student outside of the technology in order to really get the messages across. And I'm wondering if that's being lost a little bit. What do you think? And then, Tina, I'd like your thoughts. Well, I agree, oh, yeah. and I think oh, it's kind of it's kind of like a, a doctor with no bedside manner, right? Right. They may be a great mm-hmm. doctor, but, you know, do they care about me? So I think that, again, it's probably our generation, but you're teaching a person, and it's important that you understand who the person is on the other side of the uh, the mat with you or the grass, um, and I think that's why I don't love the the idea of teaching online. I love getting mm-hmm. to know my students. Many of our students have become really good friends, which probably isn't great mm-hmm. either. But but the point is, is that you have to know: is this person audio, visual, kinesthetic? Do they want to see it, feel it, or hear it? And and some of these. Um, I'm not going to, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I don't know that there's that much of a warm, fuzzy feeling when you're sitting in a a room teaching inside with a computer and a monitor and showing someone a position. I can't imagine that they can really think right-brained and let it rip and visualize and feel a shot and hit it. You know, I can't think about a position or I can't hit the ball, right? So... I think yeah, it's a, exactly. yeah, it's just a yeah. domino effect of how much do you really care about the person you're teaching or are you trying to show them how smart you are and how good you are at using technology? That's my issue. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, Tina, and maybe you can expand a little bit, but what Cindy raises is, you know, there are, and, and we've seen them and, and um, have watched them, I'm sure, but um, a, a lot of the newer generation coming up is, essentially built themselves a little cubicle and they're doing all of their online lessons and surely they're they're being very successful in drawing attention but are they really helping their students in the long run um technology is great as a support system but not as as the leader of of teaching in my opinion as a teaching tool what do you think well yeah exactly i mean i i think it's a great i mean uh, you know look at at you know, 25 years ago, I mean, we were playing by field. We didn't have the numbers, but I think had we had the numbers, we might have even hit it even better. But I think it's a good combination to have both. I don't think we should say, oh, well, technology, you know, we need both now um, because that's where right. it's headed. But I, I don't think that um, – I think we have to be very <clears throat> careful on how we use both. Like I have some students, of course, we all do, that are very technical, that wants to know the numbers, want to hit it perfect sure. every time. And I'm like – you know, we're only as good as our misses. I mean, we're not going to hit it perfect every time. So if one misses is a toe shank and the next one's a heel shank, and, you know, and then we top it and then we hit one good, I mean, how good are we, right? So I say, right. you know, I'm only, as, I'm only as good as an instructor as I can make your, your, your worst shots better. So I, I, I look at, at those parameters when I use all my technology and then I take it away and then I, I work with them. But I think... Yeah, just make it a nice little, like, fluffy combination of both and let them know what they need to know. And then when you have a student that's very technical, I take the, I'll tell them, I'm like, look, we're not looking at numbers this lesson. Just let me look at them. You just play. 
and do what I say, and then I'll show you the numbers at the beginning and at the end, and we'll see where we're at, you know? So I'll take them away, I'll add them, and I'll, I, 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 I have one gentleman, that, i got to see the numbers. I, nope, you're not allowed. <laughs> you know, and I play that <laughs> game a little bit, but, I mean, because I, 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 I know he wants to know, he's dying to know, and then I force him into not knowing and just kind of swinging and playing. And it's really good to kind of make people uncomfortable to learn. It's It's hard. And it's hard to do, but I do it to make them uncomfortable, to try and get them to, to push them into something different, to learn a different way. And it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a great learning curve. It's hard for them, but it's really good overall. Um, but yeah. that's how I think yeah. it's, fun to, it's fun to use it with. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I, I guess what I, I don't want to see happen, and I know it does in some degree, is I don't want to see the teaching professional become the guy at the end of the range with all of this equipment Ooh. sitting there with his, with his pad of paper and, okay, who's next? And here's your prescription, and he hands back a page. This is what you need to work on. This is what you do. And not really having that interaction. And I know it seems a little far-fetched, but when I see, as Cindy pointed out, when you see some of – you know, these new gurus, if you will, that seem to get a lot of attention. It is interesting what they're talking about. But again, I think sometimes, you know, again, as Cindy pointed out, how you learn, um, it, it's a great support. It's a great way to affirm certain information. But if you're using it as the premise of your entire platform, I think what you're going to end up finding is people at the end of the day become very frustrated because it doesn't matter how well you're hitting the ball and it doesn't matter um, how pretty your golf swing looks, when you take it out to the actual golf course, if you can't put everything together and shoot low scores, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. So, um, exactly. you know, yeah, it, it all comes down to is, is, is my handicap improving? Am I hitting? You know, we want to hit good shots. We want to, but like we've all said, every golf swing, every golf shot is not going to be perfect. So it's a matter of how good are our misses and how do we respond to them? Um, is really what it's going to count in the long run. So um, on that note, we got to end the conversation and wrap things up. Uh, Tina, if you want to very quickly let the folks know if they want to reach out to you, the best way to do that. Oh, yeah. Um, um, it's Tina Toombs Golf, and I have a website, tinatoombsgolf.com. All my information is on that website. And um, I'm at the Arizona Biltmore Golf Club in Phoenix, Arizona. And um, that's the easiest way is just go to my website. All my information is on there to contact me. Perfect. Well, Tina, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, and have a great great week and a great day, and stay safe. Thank you, both of you, too. Stay healthy as well. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, Tina Toombs, uh, president and founder of Tina Toombs Golf, in Phoenix, Arizona, and you can find her there. Go to tinatoomsgolf.com and check out her website, all of her contact information, as she said. Well, Cindy, another successful show behind us, and as we get ready to move on with our days, we want to thank all of you for tuning in this morning here on the Women of Golf, and we will see you next week right here on the blogtalkradio.com network's Women of Golf. God bless everybody. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, 
and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.